We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about the Nets' final summer league game and a little Nets news. But how are we doing, Jack? I'm now in House of Highlights, apparently. Yeah, he's famous, guys. So, you know, hopefully he stays in touch with us, stays on the pod, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, uh, Jack, we're going to talk about the summer league game first, the final one of the Nets' summer league season. Not very fun to watch. No Cam Thomas, no Daron Sharp, no David Duke Jr., Nets follow the Raptors, 86-72. How are we feeling after the game? Man, I'll just hop back to 24 hours ago, Nick. You know, or even you know, 12 hours ago. The excitement level that I had. You know, we got Cam Thomas and Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes, one of the best defenders in the draft. Long, rangy, super exciting. You know, with the Toronto Raptors guarding Cam Thomas, the third best scorer in the history of the Summer League as a rookie. The best scorer at the Summer League right now ahead of Tyrese Maxey. And we got Brandon Knight taking 16 shots and the net shooting 29% from the field. So not necessarily the expectations that I did have, especially when the biggest takeaway moment is that video that you clipped. It was the pregame interview with Cam Thomas, it felt. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much was it. I know, it, like, it's been exciting to watch Summer League and, like, watching Cam Thomas and even Dayron Sharp and David Duke Jr. just because it's like, okay, these are some flashes. These are some things these guys can do. How are they, you know, better from Summer League game one to game five? And then, like you said, we got the news that they weren't going to play, and it was just kind of a, a mixed bag of a lot of different weird things on a basketball court, a lot of Brandon Knight, a lot of struggles from Alizé, Reggie Perry, and different guys, lack of three-point shooting. It was just not a great display of basketball, but kind of what you expect in the final game of Summer League when you know the key players of the previous games aren't playing. Yeah, the Nets scored 72 points. To put that into context, Cam Thomas averaged 27 points himself for the yeah. summer league, Nick. So, like, by himself, so you had 27 points to this? Yeah, the scoreline looks better. But, yeah, this was a, a rough watch, a rough watch. But I did love that, that clip you put out. And I know, I knew you were going to put it out. I'm like, damn, is my guy, like, going to put out, like, a hype clips now and, and, <laughs> and clips of interviews? I, didn't, I thought you were a play-by-play guy. But to hear him being asked about, you know, the fact that, you know, how do you feel about playing along? So James Harden, one of your idols, like on a scale of one to ten, and he went a thousand. Man, I, I just want like Cam Thomas, like a thousand emoji. Oh, there isn't a thousand emoji. There should be a thousand emoji. Just do two one hundreds next to each other, or a hundred and a ten. Um, and it, it, it's weird because 
as we sort of alluded to before, Cam Thomas isn't normally, you know, he's normally quite stoic and quite yep. assured and, and a little bit low-key. Uh, but there was genuine excitement in his voice and on his face when he was answering that question. Yeah, he had the smile that he couldn't hide. You know what I mean? When something makes you happy, sometimes you just can't hide the smile, and that's what you saw. You know, I think the interview has been really likable for him. And, Jack, you mentioned, like, Cam Thomas, he'd scored, you know, 27 a game. He scored 15 in the last fourth quarter. The Nets scored eight points in the second quarter of this game, and the Raptors scored eight points, too. Cam Thomas could almost score as much as these teams combined in one quarter. Uh, like I said, Nick, there was 15 free throws in total. Cam took 10 the last game by yeah. himself. Um, it's, I mean, there, there were, we'll talk, we'll chat a little bit about Kessler, which I think that's the main takeaway. And maybe uh, we don't have to talk about studs and duds because we'll probably spend a bit too much time with the duds. And we're, we're yeah. not a pessimistic pod on, on the Brooklyn Buzz, but we might have to chat a little bit about, you know, Brandon Knight, Alizé, and, and maybe Reggie Perry as well, given that there's some news in relation to what their futures could be as Nets slash NBA players. But, yeah, I just thought that I, I immediately turned up. I, I woke up, you know, set my alarm for 7, 7.30, and I'm like, oh, this is what it's going to be. Okay, yeah. um, it's going to be a rough watch. I think I'll just, like, keep keep the notifications on for, for Nick's Twitter page and whenever I need to see. And I did see, like, some really nice moments from Kessel Edwards. I, yeah. I just – it's fun to watch defense, and it's fun to – at least we had something to watch because what Kessler did show us there – um, he, he's just got, he's easily the, the next best summer league defender. Uh, and he might be, you know, a, a pretty good defender at the NBA level as well, because what you put out there, Nick, was, you know, he showed, you know, um, both a, a variation to his defensive skill set throughout this game. Yeah, we've seen a lot of defensive tools from Kessler Edwards in summer league. You know, obviously the length, the versatility, I think he has pretty good recovery speed. And shot blocking has been pretty nice. You know what I mean? It's nothing crazy. It's not like he's blocking five shots a game, but I think he had three blocks a day. And also just the ability to switch onto different defenders, like you said, you know, and kind of understand who he is. One thing that he does pretty well that's extremely difficult is he stops the ball in transition. Like he's able to take on a transition offensive player and kind of put them in lock or at least slow it down to his team can get down there. And that's a tough thing to do. Obviously, summer league level and NBA level are completely different things. But he's able to do that. That kind of just screams like really good defender. There's just a lot of things about him where you're like, all right, the tools are there. I just want to see him against NBA speed because and NBA execution and strength, like, you know, things along those lines, because he has everything else right now that says, you know, he's going to be a good defender. We just have to see the proof, the evidence. Yeah, quickness, intelligence. He's got the frame, as you alluded to, nice wingspan. You know, just has good instincts. You know, Engagement. When he's nice, yeah, good engagement. He's just always showing effort there. He's always switched on. Yeah, I, I, I love whenever you're isolated, whenever he's isolated on someone, you know, you just know that even if a guy drives on him, he's going to be near you and he's going to, his help and his recovery yep. speed, as you mentioned, Nick, you know, he's going to get a block on you somewhere. His help defense, I think, is pretty good too. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, the, um, the blocks that he did have today did showcase that. Um, probably my favorite defensive play from him today was he just, like, yanked the ball out of a dude's hands. It was, like, sort of, like, Kawhi Leonard style, where yep. it's just like, okay, I'm going to dribble the ball. Uh, no, you're not. I'm just going to make you, you know, fumble the ball. Um, and that shows a level of... You know, just defensive, uh, elite defensive skills that you don't yep. see from a lot of players, you know, in the NBA, let alone, you know, at Summer League. Because you know, a, a lot of these guys would prefer to be playing, you know, the offense or taking 10, 15 shots, prove themselves in that way. But the fact that he got the two-way as well, um, 
was a was a really positive thing to see. And I think that allowed him to sort of go and maybe he's had conversations with some of the Nets brass and, and some of the higher ups to be, okay, look, what we want to see from you out there, Kess. Um, I think uh, I think it was Nets Kingdom gave him Kess Express as a nickname. Big fan of that. Very, very ashamed that I didn't come up with it myself. <laughs> but the Kess Express, you know, in terms of the the express nature of those hands and those arms and the, the quickness with his feet. Um, he's, uh, he's a fun watch on the defensive side of the floor. And, you know, the Nets have enough fun offensive watches, uh, to say the least. So to have Kess Express out there doing his thing, uh, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think he just, like, spends and utilizes himself more on the defensive end. And offensively, he understands he's kind of limited. So he doesn't necessarily have to be as engaged and as active on the end of the floor. You know what I mean? He's still not terrible. But it's like he understands that defensively is where he's probably going to be his bread and butter in, in terms of being in the NBA. But again, we saw him knock down two threes today. You know, the shot's not amazing, but it goes down. He's Can he do it in the NBA? How's that going to work? And then offensively, you know, can he find some other ways to have an impact? I'm not sure it really matters if he's that good defensively. But again, like we have to see it against that NBA level talent because some of these guys, he locked them up and he made them really uncomfortable. Kind of what you see from all NBA defenders in the NBA against good offensive players. But obviously the talent gap is pretty drastic from summer league to NBA regular season. Yeah, I mean, even G-League G level talent because, you know, yeah. we saw like Jalen Green dominate at, at the G-League Ignite and such. So, And I think that that's given him a, a level of, of capability at the NBA level that I think, yeah. you know, Kessler Edwards, if he shows some reps down with Long Island, I think, you know, it's going to help him going further. But Nick, have you seen anything different from him in terms of his three-point shot? Or are you seeing the same sort of mechanics... You know, I, I guess the the sort of lack of fluidity, but at least some uh, some semblance of quickness on that shot. And obviously, he is quite tall, good wingspan, gets it off at a at a high high level in terms of where his release point is. Have you seen any difference there, or do you think that's where the net staff comes in? That's where the hiring of Kyle Korver, you know, that's where he's going to be making his big bucks. No, I don't. It's really been consistently the same. You know what I mean? He's got that weird little kind of leg forward thing, and then he pushes the arm. And like you said, it's not very smooth. It is quick, and it's from a high vantage point. But I'm not sure, you know, how well it's going to translate, how consistent it can be, and how much do you want to change it? Is that going to drastically kind of impact a shot? It also depends on how much the Nets are looking to actually utilize him in the near future in the NBA, or if he they look at him as more of a project and think, you know what, we can re you know, we can rebuild this guy's shot and that might take a little bit longer, but if we allow the shot to be the same, you might be able to impact a little bit sooner. Yeah, I don't remember if this was in relation to Steve Clifford or to Kyle Korver, but the the focus for one of them was, you know, on the younger players and, and impacting there. So with Kyle Korver, you know, you wanted to work with Kessler, with maybe yeah. David Duke, Cam Thomas, these sort of guys on just their, their three-point shot. I, I, I'm with you. You know, you don't change something unless it's completely broken. Because I immediately hark back to Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I know uh, Beeble Breakdown did like a, I guess, a, a thorough breakdown of the mechanics of his three-point shot from his rookie season to now. And his rookie season was fine. Like, it yep. wasn't amazing, but there was a quickness, a fluidity to it. Now, there is a quickness and fluidity to it with, you know, it, with Kessler in terms of how he gets a shot up and, you know, just the, the motion. But it is a, a little bit disjointed. So I'm wondering if, like, there's some tinkering rather than some, a complete revamp or whether it's just like, okay, play your way through it. Let's see what you can do. Let's see if, you know, guys in the perimeter can, are they just going to leave you wide open? You're still not going to miss these shots or, you know, it's, it's slower when you've got NBA defenders guarding against you. I'm intrigued to see how that does pan out because 
uh, Kessler with the two-way. I think, you know, I'm, I want to see some NBA moments from him, um, and I think that we will. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a big factor and kind of, like you said, Jack, see how it works, see what happens. I think one positive thing, even though it's a bad shot mechanically, it's consistent. You know what I mean? It's not like he's changing his shot every time he shoots. You know, we've seen it happen with guys like Harris Avert in the past and caused him to struggle a little bit, where at least Kessler Edwards is consistent with his stroke every single time. And, you know, like we said, we'll see how that adapts at the NBA level. But like you kind of alluded to, Jack, I guess we'll touch on it now. He did get that two-way contract from the Nets. That's something that we were looking for on draft night. Really liked the potential and what he could provide just as a 3 and D player and obviously a showcase those skills in summer league. You know, will he play minutes this year? We don't know until we see him on an NBA court, but I wouldn't rule it out as him actually getting some decent minutes at some point this season. No, I mean, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be management and the two-way contract. I'm wondering if they're going to be changing the rules this year in comparison to previous years, because I know that last season, you know, there was an increased amount of days and contact time they can have with the NBA teams. Whereas, you know, going forward, obviously, but obviously, due to COVID circumstances, you know, in, in 2020, 2021. But this season, I wonder if that makes it a little bit more difficult. But in, in saying that, you know, he's going to be hanging around the, the NBA team. He's going to be getting his reps uh, in the G League with Long Island. You know, it's had a big impact on on some of our young prospects and such. So I, I just, I'm fascinated to see what he can do at the NBA level. Because like you said, Nick, you know, another uh, two of five tonight from three. I think he had a two of five night as well. And then obviously, yep. I think his first game, uh, he didn't hit a shot. So it, it's 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 there. Like the shot is there. It's just going to be, is it translatable? You know, I, I think his defensive skills are more translatable. I, I think yep. I'm pretty confident with that because a lot of it is intelligence, engagement, effort. And he's obviously combines that um, with the tools and, and, and physicality that he does have and, and the frame that he does have. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether he can hit a couple of three balls here and there because um, that could be the difference between him being, you know, getting an NBA contract and having an NBA career. But he's got some things, um, and it's certainly worth the flyer. Um, and I, and I'm really happy for him that he was able to get that contract because uh, it provides a little bit of validity and a little bit of comfort and security for him and his team. He looks really fluid switching, which obviously is a big factor of the net scheme. So, like, the fact that he's already very comfortable doing that, and like you said, Jack, you know, the things in which you can control is, like, energy, effort, and engagement. He gets check marks on all those. It's just kind of we want to see the quickness against NBA-level teams. And I know one thing for a fact on the two-way update, I do not believe two-way players will be able to play in the postseason this year without a real NBA contract. I think the days thing um, last year, they converted it from like where it used to count as a day of your like a practice. I think they change it to just games now. So it's a little easier to recognize because then you had guys like saying they'd fly out in the morning and then fly out by the end of the night. And that was obviously just kind of crazy. So I think it'll be a little bit easier, but I think some of the rules will be back for the two way stuff. And I'm not sure if we'll get an NBA contract by the end of the year, but he might be able to get one by next offseason. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it pans out for him. Hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on him at the yep. G League, if not at the NBA level, because, you know, there's a there's an intrigue uh, to the Cats Express. I'm even intrigued to see him in preseason, because that'll be his real first taste of, like, okay, what what is he doing against some NBA-level competition? Yeah, it's not far away until we, until we get some preseason basketball. Yeah. Feels like we'll just be doing recaps again, which is always fun. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Exactly. And in terms of other players in this game, Jack, um, we could talk about Alize Johnson a little bit. Not, I don't want to call it a bad showing, but it wasn't a great showing for him. I think the aggression, the energy, you have the 13 rebound, six offensive, but three of 11 from the field, one of three from deep, four or six from the free throw line, 11 points. You know, you could tell he was trying to leave his mark on this game and kind of take over, but he's just kind of limited in his ability to create for himself with his skill set. And I think that's kind of what you get back to with Alize. Like we talked about for Summer League, what else have you added to your game? How have you gotten better? And there aren't necessarily great signs of drastic skill improvement. Obviously, he hasn't had a ton of time because his offseason has been really short. But I feel like what's the best version of Alizé Johnson? Like, how far are we actually from that? He might be uh, – Alizé Johnson, it, it might be is what it is. You know, yep. this is the the version of Alizé that is, you know, the, the peak version. Obviously, I'm not going to put a cap on a, on a guy and – there's, there's, uh, that's not to say that there can't be improvements within the season and, and going forward. But, you know, his obviously contract situation is interesting. I think there's, there's certain guarantees after certain months um, that he gets. So uh, I know that Sean Marks is normally quite good at taking care of his guys. And, you know, if it's an extra $100,000 here, $500,000 there, you know, he normally keeps the guys around to you know, just build that goodwill. It's just in his nature. And in the, the Nets franchise nature to, do, to sort of do that. But in terms of his game... Look, he, he looked like one of the better players out there, but I guess it wasn't really that hard. Um, there wasn't, you know, we know his spin moves, we know his athleticism, we know his energy, 
you know, a really good rebounder. But, you know, it's it's it might be reductive to say, but if you're a wing who can't shoot a three ball and yeah. you provide energy and, and your skills, you know, he's a, a one of the better rebounders on the roster as well. But what value does that really provide when, you know, you, you can't combine it with a, a little bit of spacing, shot creation, you know, five assists today, you know, I'm not sure how, how much we read into that. But, yeah, it, it's... It'll be interesting to see how it pans out for Alizé now that there's Kessler Edwards on the roster as well. Another sort of wingy type who at least you know, maybe he shoots, he shoots the three ball, maybe not as mechanically as sound as Alizé does, but that ball goes in a, a lot better than it does with AJ. So um, I wonder what's how it's going to pan out for Alizé Johnson because there are some other guys on the market, buyout season, um, you know, plenty of names around still. You know, there's a Paul Millsap, Lamarcus Aldridge, JJ Redick these sort of names that are hanging around and, and hovering uh, and maybe they make way for Alizé Johnson or maybe we get we see a, 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 a major resurgence for him and, and a spring up into form. But I don't know. Uh, it was a, a decent enough showing for him. But yeah, that 3 of 11 from the field, you know, the inefficiency is, is something that doesn't leave the best taste in your mouth. Yeah, he's just a little out of control and sporadic offensively with some of the layups and trying to like force them back up. And like you said, you know, the lack of three-point shot really hurts. You know, he's... His elite skill is probably rebounding. I'm not sure if it's an elite rebounder. It's just kind of a lot of energy and effort. You know, he's pretty close to that. It's not like he has amazing size. It's just really just attacking the ball every single possession. But the lack of defense, like it's not like he's a terrible defender, but he's not a lockdown guy. And I feel like if you don't have that three-point shot, you have to have other skills to kind of keep you on the floor. And I don't think there's, you know, a big enough advantage of having him out there a big enough impact where you're like all right this guy needs to be on my roster and like kind of we alluded to i'm not sure how much further he can develop it it's a lot of it is just that three-point shot and discipline defensively but i'm not sure if the nets want to use the roster spot in him and like we've talked about maybe it's at a veteran maybe to use that trade exception who really knows there's so different some different avenues in which they can kind of attack and i think the guarantee date is september 4th yeah one person that won't be used on most likely, Nick, is uh, Reggie Perry. Obviously, Reggie Perry, obviously, after we discussed, you know, the rescinding of his qualifying offer, didn't put out the the best showing in the twelve minutes uh, that he did uh, step foot on the court. Yeah, it was obviously, you know, he's probably not feeling great getting that offer rescinded, and then played, you know, his worst summer league game, zero points in 11, 12 minutes, about always seven from the field, always two from three, three rebounds, and again, I think offensively you're going to have bad games you're not going to score you know that's not always a problem for a big it's defensively where there's nothing that really sticks out about him yeah he has a little bit of strength but he doesn't have great lateral quickness doesn't have that length to really protect the rim so it's just like i'm not sure where his position is yeah i i look unfortunately we might have seen the final days of reggie perry because I think that we sometimes need to put this into perspective and, and not necessarily think of, of guys as assets and, and these sort of things because Reggie Perry might have just lost his job as an NBA player. And that kind yeah. of sucks. Like, in all honesty, it, it really does. And I can't imagine it's a pleasant situation for Sean Marks um, and everyone else. But, you know, I hope Reggie finds a, a home somewhere uh, playing basketball because he's got something. Maybe it's not at the NBA level. Maybe it's a, at, at a different in a different country, Europe, China, wherever. And I'm I'm not saying that to besmirch him in any sense or fashion. I think that he's being a professional basketball player is awesome, regardless of the country, the region, wherever you are. You're getting paid to literally play basketball. I mean, if I was good enough, I'd want to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd happily go to Europe and and, and showcase my talents because you know there is money within those European leagues. So yeah. Um, 
whatever whatever the future lies for Reggie Perry, you know, I, I, I wish him all the best, whether it's at Brooklyn Net or somewhere else, because, yeah, I think it, it's just worth looking at it from a, a more hu- human perspective, Nick, rather than just analysing this team, which sometimes we get caught up in uh, a little bit too much. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the Long Island Nets. Like, that seems like something that's realistic. I believe the Nets will retain his draft rights in some way, depending on how that all goes. But honestly, I know this is this will probably come across as a little bit mean, but last year there was a ton of hype about Reggie Perry having a great training camp and doing all these things. And part of me thinks that, like, he looks so good is because DeAndre Jordan was already starting to look washed. So then the idea of everyone was like, oh, he's out playing DeAndre right now. He's looking so good. But meanwhile, you know, DeAndre's best days are substantially behind him. And Reggie was just kind of shining against a guy who is probably slower than he is. And I mean, we heard the same thing from Jordan not at, at the start of Summer League. And, yeah. you know, a lot of uh, he was in, in terms of like what he was showing, you know, behind the scenes. And, you know, everyone wanted to see more of Dayron Sharp. But it was just like, well, Reggie's, you know, the, the vet, <laughs> I guess, for, yeah. for lack of a better term. So. Look, we'll we'll see how it does pan out, whether it's G League or, or elsewhere. Um, Reggie's got something to give. Yep. Um, in terms of pretty much everyone else that played today or that's on the roster, other than David Duke Jr., Dayron Sharp, and Cam Thomas, I think you know most of these guys will probably end up in the G League or international contracts of some sort. You know, nothing really stuck out where I think anybody else will get a two-way. Uh, definitely not from the Nets. It would probably be more likely from another team, but even then, I'm not sure. You know, I think probably the most interesting guy that – I'm intrigued with his Raekwon Gray just to see kind of how his skill set can develop and maybe even how his body can get conditioned and it could allow him to be a different player. I think there's some real skill and IQ there. It's just kind of developing it further and seeing what he could really turn into. Yeah, I'm not a Zegarowski stand by any stretch, Nick, but you know I'll, I'll show some love to the Marcus Zegarowski because I think that he's had some moments here as well. You know, a break on Gray, I think, has been given limited minutes because I think he can only play limited minutes at yeah. this point in time. But, you know, I think that when we talk about him and watch tapes of both of these guys, we got intrigued by what they could be and, and, the, and the possibility of what they could be. But, Nick, in saying that, there is another two-way there. Is it fate to play that this probably goes to David Duke Jr.? I mean, all signs point to it. Obviously, he was he sat out today. The Nets didn't play him, so you would think you know, he would want the opportunity to showcase himself to other teams if the Nets weren't playing to sign that two-way. But obviously, he did get the training camp deal. So maybe the Nets are like, we've seen enough of you in summer league. There's enough tape out there. You know, we'll let you compete for this spot in training camp. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by the time this podcast drops, he signed to a two-way contract. We always get some sort of news <laughs> once once the podcast ends for us. I think we try and be as timely as possible, but sometimes we are too timely. It's. I, I just think overall on summer league, we we, sp- we spent so much time talking about summer league basketball, and we just talked about the whole summer league roster and such yep. on a game that barely mattered, and we could barely watch for like 20, 25 minutes. So um, I, I will say it again: we are summer league sickos at the Brooklyn Buzz. Yeah, net sickos over here. I mean, every piece of content that's out there, we're going to try to cover it. But like you said, you know, maybe we'll do a recap of Summer League for some of the bigger players and kind of talk about strengths and weaknesses on a future episode. But I think for right now, Summer League's wrapped up. <laughs> summer League is wrapped up and an historic Summer League at that. Pretty dark, goddamn cool. You know, your boy got on House of Highlights. That that post is just going pretty bonkers right now. Nick. I think it's like 150,000 likes. Um, I wish that would, you know, I'd get 150,000 likes on, on Twitter, but uh, occasionally <laughs> here and there, occasional bangers every now and then. But uh, speaking of bangers, Nick, the, the schedule dropped and um, the Nets are a big part of it. 
Yeah, we got some of the primetime games, not the full schedule, but we got the big news and the games that really matter. You know, opening night, opening week, and Christmas Day, the Nets are playing on all of them. And, you know, Jack, I guess I'll lead it off. We got on opening night, we have the Nets and Bucks in Milwaukee, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, TNT, kicking off the NBA season. This is fun. This is what I wanted to see. And this is back-to-back years of the Nets kicking off the NBA season. Yeah, I mean, we're versing, who's the, we're versing Ted Cruz and the new Ted Cruz uh, recruit from the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, um, Christian that, Allen. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm scared. Now I'm scared for the Nets ankles, man. Uh, that's just a dangerous player. I mean, Giannis already destroyed one of our superstars' ankles. Uh, look, uh, I don't want to get too too deep into that. Intentional uh, but or unintentional, it, it happened. <laughs> it still happened, exactly. It still happened, Nick. And thankfully, you know, he is recovering. Um, and but yeah, I'm, I'm, it's it's cool that we get to analyze this. It's cool that we're going to get all these big days, these big games. You know, last year it was Golden State. This year it's Milwaukee. Um, obviously, you know, the revenge game gets some semblance of revenge. You know, you can't hide anymore when the big three are healthy. And now you've got Killer Cam, Patty Mills to hide from. You know, the, the Bucks are probably shaking in their boots right now. I, I would be if I were them. I mean, especially it's cold in Milwaukee. Get your cheese ready. Get your Cream City jerseys ready. You've got to hide from nothing. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for this game. I also think it'll really set the tone for the season for the Nets. Obviously, it's not do or die. If they lose the game, it's not the end of the world. But <laughs> it's do or die. The stakes have never been higher. <laughs> I mean, you want to go in there and you want to kind of, you know, have a nice substantial win and kind of showcase like, hey, we were healthy last year. This is probably what would have happened. And I think for the Bucks, they're trying to showcase like, hey, we would have beat this team if healthy. So I think it's going to be a really good matchup and better than what we saw last year between the Nets and the Warriors. I think we are going to cream the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> and then we got uh, the next primetime matchup that was released today is Friday, October 22nd. Nets versus Sixers in Philadelphia, also at 730 on ESPN. You know, two heavyweights in the East, you know, probably would have seen them in the Eastern Conference Finals. A really good matchup. Joel Embiid, one of the best players in the league. Obviously, we have KD, James Harden, Kyrie. And it's going to be interesting what happens with Ben Simmons. If he's still there, how the chemistry is on that team. Remember the last time we versus Sixers, Nick, in the regular season, and we always beat them without all our superstars. Oh, and it was we were just cooking them left, right, and center with like Nicholas Claxton. So that was a lot of fun. But no, you know, obviously Joel Embiid on a on a new max contract, so he's gonna he's gonna be born. He's one of the the most probably the worst matchup for for the um, for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, going around. You know, maybe he hasn't faced Aaron Sharp yet, so we'll have to see <laughs> how that pans out. Uh, but also, he who shall not be named, i.e., the non-Australian, non-Boomer superstar. Whether he's on the team, uh, it'll be that, that's a, a fascinating wrinkle to watch as well. But two uh, ripper games, you know, in in the opening week for the Nets, and um, we'll be recapping them. Where we we won't be sickos at that stage. We'll just be salivating over the content. You know, I'll be jolly after Christmas, um, and I'll be turning into the Grinch for the Sixers. You know, a couple of days later. Yeah. And while talking about the Christmas game, we have Nets at Lakers. I mean, this is as prime time as you can get. This is what everybody wants to see, you know, big three versus big three. And then former All-Stars and, you know, Carmelo and Blake Griffin in the matchup too. I think uh, this is one of the most exciting games probably in terms of the NBA season. People are anticipating this Christmas Day game more than most. It might be one of the – it will be the, the most, most anticipated, anticipated game of the season, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And despite what – at Mark Lamont Hill, he's got a lot of followers. I don't know, five, oh, wow, over 519,000 followers. He says this, 
with all due respect, who put Paddy Mills, not Blake Griffin, while excluding Russell Westbrook? The graphic designer must be Australian. Hey, I take exception to that. And the fact that he is besmirching Paddy Mills, um, I'm going to get into that dude's DMs, and he's going to get some, uh, plenty of slander. But it's certainly, yeah, Bleacher Report obviously posting uh, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Paddy Mills, and Kevin Durant. Um, while the, they also posted Kamala Anthony, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. I think it's weirder that there's no Russell Westbrook out of the the promotion, the promos, to be honest. Yeah, I, I didn't see that promo. I saw the one that just had, you know, Russell Westbrook, uh, LeBron James, AD, Melo. And then for the Nets, it was KD, Kyrie, Harden, and Blake. But I'm sure we're seeing a whole bunch of different kind of roundups of the, uh, the marketing. I would say having Patty Mills as an international attraction that makes sense to me you know the nba is all about kind of building up that international brand and that's something they've been doing really well over the last couple of years did i not watch the olympics like did you not watch <laughs> no patrick, they didn't, Jack. <laughs> patrick sammy mills put on a goddamn michael jordan like performance he is a, an absolute icon with a capital i-c-o-n and if you're not putting respect on that goddamn name then you better get off this goddamn platform because uh, I think it's going to be, and I think that there's a wrinkle to Patty Mills as well because yep. the Lakers were linked to him. Obviously, they've got all these other guys, you know, all the other guys with their geriatrics and walking sticks that'll be playing for them this <laughs> year. Um, but you know, we got Patty Mills, probably one of the most coveted free agents um, to add to any roster. It seems that every single you know, national platform is just whenever they talk about the off season, the only move that they speak about with the Nets is, you know. I think it's bigger than the KD extension, but, you know, getting Patty Mills. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun, Nick. Twitter's going to be a lot of fun that night. Hopefully we see, you know, all guys healthy. And hopefully uh, the Lakers have some better free throw shooters than LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to really be a fun game. And like you said, the element of Patty Mills. And then there was a rumbling that the Lakers tried to recruit Blake Griffin this summer, too. So that's just kind of another element. And obviously most people think this is going to be a finals preview just given, you know, the amount of talent on both teams. It's it's not going to really determine anything, but hopefully we get really, really good basketball like we got with, like, the Cavs and the Warriors a couple years ago. Yeah, bragging rights is always yeah. a fun thing. You know, you want to talk your... Yeah, reaction talk. from fans on Twitter will be awesome, too. <laughs> I mean, uh, I do, we've done that at Summer League. <laughs> so <laughs> to do it with, you know, regular season performances, you know, it, it's going to be a, a lot of fun recapping. It's going to be a lot of fun watching it. Um, uh, like I said, hopefully both teams are at, at full health. And we see all the superstars out there because, you know, last year we didn't see, you know, when we came up against them, you know, we didn't have our three superstars healthy, but AD wasn't healthy either. Um, and yeah, hopefully there's a bit of trash, there's a bit of edge to it. You know, there's so many different tinges to it. You know, you've got Kevin Durant going up against his old teammate, Russell Westbrook. Yep. You've got Kyrie Irving going up against his old teammate and LeBron James. Um, it's going to be a super, we're going to, we have to do like a pre-game podcast as well as a post-game podcast. Uh, the content will be absolutely delicious. Yeah, I mean, even just James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you know, they just separated recently. They're good friends, all that stuff. You know, Harden and LeBron, I don't think are necessarily big, you know, big friends. You know, there's a couple incidents they've had on the court. So there's a lot of different elements to it, like you said, Jack. It'll be a lot of fun, Nick. Can't wait. And next up, we got, obviously, we didn't get the full schedule. But, Jack, do you think the Nets will have more nationally televised games this season than last season? They had 39 last season, and that's 19 in the first half, 20 in the second half via Chris Milholen on uh, Twitter. Yeah, it was a, a nice little way to point it out. I'm 
I, I hope they do. They one thing I think do hope they do is they do the schedule in blocks again. I think yes. that that was that was really good. And um, the Nets, it helps prevent those like dumb games that sometimes you get in the second half where it's like the team is injured. You know, the year before it was Steph Curry being injured, and then the Warriors had ten nationally televised games that no one wanted to watch. Yeah, and obviously, you know, if the hopefully the Nets have a clean bill of health as well, but. I would be surprised if the Nets aren't second in nationally televised games. Yep. I think it's going to be the Lakers um, because it always is the Lakers, even if they've got you know, D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Hill on their team yeah. and Jeremy Lin. Um, but the Nets are going to be up there. It'll be if they aren't second and if they don't have forty plus nationally televised games, um, then I would be very surprised. What about you, mate? Yeah, I think they'll be up there more because Harden. You know what I mean? Now, there's the big three. It's kind of the villain aspect. And, you know, it's kind of like, how does every team stack up against the Nets now? You know what I mean? It's going to be a similar thing for the Lakers. So I think like 40-ish, maybe not more, because I, like you said, how many more can they really give them? You want to showcase All other teams. <laughs> but at the same time, we still need the Yes Network because I don't want to watch. Uh, to be To be fair... You know, in, in all honesty, I don't really care about the nationally network, nationally televising games because Yes Network is just infinitely oh, better. Yeah, I want to hear Sarah. I want to hear Iron Eagle. I want to hear Richard Jefferson. I want to hear Michael Grady. Um, I want to hear Ryan Rooker. I want to hear those guys chat about yeah. the Nets. Um, their commentary is is incredible. Um, whereas I'm listening to Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. As if Mike Breen's there, then yeah, it's a, a lot more fun. But uh, uh, the the Nets coverage. Uh, by Yes Network, and obviously you take out Frank Isola, and it's just truly elite. Yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, even just the the, the tech-type stuff behind the scenes and their coverage and the camera angles and the replays and stuff like that, they're really on point with their stuff. So like you said, you know, it's cool for the Nets to get showcased, you know, as a fan, seeing them in the past, you know, get like 10 nationally televised games or one or zero. And now they're going to be either, you know, the top of the list or top three. It's just cool to see the growth of the franchise and just like how relevant they really are in the NBA. The national Nets. Yes, sir. Jack, what else we got to chat about? We're chatting some beef, Nick. Now, I'm not <laughs> sure how, how rare this beef is or how well-cooked it is and I'm not sure why I'm even bringing this to the podcast, but I love talking a bit of shit on the podcast, so why not? Um, Evan Fournier put out a tweet saying, obviously, new New York Nick, he's saying that I need the be- now I need the best barber in NYC because I need help, lol. Obviously, uh, the hair game of Mr. Fournier isn't great, but he was uh, not a fan of the response from at Kev P. King. Fellow named Kevin, he's in Brooklyn. He cuts you up in Tokyo. Maybe you can do it again. That was a really cool response. I, I thought that that's solid banter. Uh, then Evan Fortier with the uh, look, I'm going to give him credit because I like a simple, short, and witty response. And he said this about Kevin Rand. He needs a barber too. Now, yes, I, I, I get Kevin Rand's hair isn't amazing. Uh, LeBron James isn't amazing either. Like, I don't know how they. I think the most miraculous thing about Space Jam, other than getting him to act alongside cartoons, was the regeneration of his of his hair in, in a way that I've never seen before since he CGI was... CGI is magic. <laughs> it, it certainly is. They used a lot of CGI, maybe even more on his hair than they did on Bugs Bunny. But Nick, uh, is Evan Fournier now enemy number one? Yeah, I mean, he was already kind of on the list and now he's on the nick so you just look at that as just somebody who's going to get cooked obviously he feels some type of way you know the nets just took turns cooking him in that celtic series and it's probably something that's going to happen but i mean you respect fournier for kind of defending himself in this situation because he got cooked out of nowhere so it's whatever like i rather see an nba player trash talk than just be you know not respond i think it's somewhat cool and we'll see them chit chat on the court a little bit they had words in the series as well 
Yeah, I wonder, like, you know, if he's recovered from the ankle injury that Kyrie Irving gave him, where he was literally on his knees. Like, he wasn't just like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to nearly fall over. Like, it, it, Kyrie Irving brought that man to earth and brought him on his knees in a way that is was embarrassing. So I hope he's recovered from that embarrassment. Hopefully he's recovered from that ankle injury. Hopefully he's recovered from the silver medal as well because you know, um, bronze is better than silver and gold is certainly better than silver. Silver's the worst medal that you can get, to be fair. But yeah, and, and, and we know that James Harden was like, how much in that series, Nick, were the Nets just like, go, okay, give me him 48. Give me the switch. Give me the switch. Yeah. Give me the switch. He was a barbecue chicken with the most delicious sauce that I've ever tasted. And it was like the... The microwave reaction video man, where it's the guy dancing to to the to the chicken cooking in in the in the microwave and, and reheating. Um, there'll be barbecue chicken when we take it take on these New York Knicks again, um, unless somehow Thibodeau finds some sort of defensive mindset to him. Um, we'll have him on his knees. Those ankles will need taping for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be the same thing when they face the Knicks. They'll just kind of go after him, after him, after him until they either have to take him off the court or start double teaming with his man. I mean, Evan Fournier is a good offensive player, but defensively, he's never been much of anything crazy. You know, funny enough, the coach that got the most out of him defensively is now on the Nets staff and Steve Clifford. There you go. So um, maybe we'll have to get some tips on, on how to cook him even further. It's going to be overcooked chicken um, when we come up against the New York Knicks this season. Final one I wanted to touch on, Nick. You know, KD was asked about what his rating should be on, on, on 2K. Obviously, 2K coming out soon. You know, he's going to be talking to Draymond Green on a on a pretty cool interview that I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to as well. KD said, I think my rating should be a 99. Nick, he's wrong. His rating should be 101. He should be the only player in 2K history to have a rating above 100. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they do that. So I think 99 is going to be okay. Um, usually the best player in the league gets the best rating, and that's Kevin Durant at this time. You know, maybe there could be another guy who gets 99 like Giannis, but I think KD deserves it at this point just because he is so skilled at the game of basketball on so many different levels and also, you know, the elite Olympic performance too. You know what I mean? It wasn't just the postseason run in the NBA. He carried that over with Team USA and was their best player and the best player in the tournament. So KD's done everything to kind of deserve this. And like you said, he's pretty much great at everything. I mean, they call him a cheat code, so why not make him literally a cheat code in the game where it's just like he is the only player in the history of this game to be above 100. I didn't get 2K21. I've only got 2K20 because I didn't hear amazing things about it. But now that I'm uh, stuck in lockdown for a couple of weeks longer, maybe I'll have to... If they make, if they keep coming around the, the right rating, it'll certainly warm me uh, to purchasing uh, the new game. But we'll wait and see. If he's not a 99, Nick, then uh, we'll be writing it. And we'll probably do some goddamn sicko content where we're analyzing every single rating of all these guys, which is like, how the hell is Cam Thomas only a 72? Stay yeah. tuned for the Brooklyn Buzz, where we'll analyze that and more. Yeah, I mean, the 2K ratings are obviously not great. We've seen some pretty bad ratings in the past for guys that aren't even good. And then I think it was maybe not last, maybe it was last year or the year before, DeAndre had a higher rating than Jared Allen. It's really never been the case. Uh, Jared's always been kind of the better player since they've been in Brooklyn. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, nah, it's just summer league's over, Nick. So now we, we wait and see how, how how things pan out for the you know, the two ways, the roster composition. You know, where is the training camp going to be? You know, I think it'll be in San Diego, San Diego Yep. what I've heard. So getting to that nice warm weather, I'm sure Katie spent some time in LA. I'm sure most of the guys are out there. Um, and I think maybe you know, James Harden, obviously, look, I, I can only put so much content in a rundown, Nick. I'm sorry that I didn't put the James Harden stands out there. 
that I didn't we didn't talk about his his mirror purse that he was he was rocking at at one of the fashion shows. But you know maybe next time we'll get we'll get into the Instagram stuff from some of our superstars. But we need it was a, a nice purse. Expert. We need a fashion I mean, expert on here. <laughs> You know, I've got a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of drip, a little bit of swag every now and then. Um, I, I do, let's uh, make sure, please edit that last sentence out, Nick, because uh, I could not sound whiter saying the words drip and swag on a podcast. I think that might be the promo video for uh, Brooklyn Bus. <laughs> <Bus. laughs> all right, Jack, that wraps it up. But as always, a pleasure and big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.